Well, it's great to be with you today, whether you are here in the church building or to all those joining us over at MP1. It's great to be together as one church family. And I hope that you'll hang around after the service for our summer party. You might be thinking it's not a very summery day, but boiling hot one day, torrential rain the next. I don't know what is more Queensland summer than that. Now, if uh, you haven't been around for the last little while, we have been in a sermon series called How We Change. We've been talking about change, growth, transformation, the, the process of becoming more like Christ, what theologians call sanctification. And what we've seen so far in this series, uh, week number one, is that change is slow work. I don't know if you've realized this yet. It takes time. It's a lifelong journey. Week two, we saw that change is heart work. It's not just about external behavior modification. It, it flows from within. We've seen that week three, change is God's work. It begins and ends with God. It's what God is doing in our lives. Last week, Ben showed us that change is your work. It's my work. It, it involves your effort and my effort. This week, we're going to be talking about the reality that change is our work. It happens in the context of community. It is a group project. Now, maybe those two words, group project, they bring back some bad memories for you. They do for me. Uh, before I studied theology, I did a business degree at QUT. And there were lots of things I loved about uni. I loved uni holidays. Oh, man, they were good. I loved the freedom that uni provided. But there are also some things about uni that I didn't love. I did not love Friday night lectures. I did not love the price of textbooks. And I especially did not love group projects. There was always someone in the group that didn't communicate, that didn't show up to meetings. Or if they did, they would just sit there. They didn't contribute in any way, and yet at the end, they still got the same mark. Can you tell that I'm still a little bit bitter? <laughs> I actually found a, a, a meme, an image this week that I think summarizes group projects well. This young lady in, in a, uh, a yearbook, she says, when I die, I want the people I did group projects with to lower me into the ground so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> I do not miss group projects. I much preferred to work on my own. It was simpler, easier, and more convenient. Now, the truth is, this is how some people think about Christianity. This is how some Christians think about their faith. Why would I bother with church? Why would I bother with other people? It's costly. It's messy. It's inconvenient. Other people might let me down. Other people might even hurt me. Besides, I love Jesus. I believe the Bible. I pray. I can be a faithful Christian without going to church. This is how many people Think, And this type of attitude is reinforced by our culture. I mean, we live in a radically individualistic culture. 
Lots, lots of examples I could use, but just think about the way that we consume entertainment. You know, a, a number of years ago, people in the house would gather around the radio to listen together. Then uh, after that, they would gather around the one TV in the house to watch together. And you know, if you were the youngest, you were the one that had to go and change the channel. You had to flick it on the TV. Now, today, everyone has their own screen and they're watching content that is specifically curated for them. Now, I'm not pining for the past. I'm not saying Netflix is evil, but the danger is that we begin to think about our faith in the same way. We pick and choose what we like. We select what suits us. I mean, these days, just on our phones, we can listen to some of the best Bible teaching out there. We can stream the best worship music that is available. We can even watch church in bed on a Sunday morning. And we can slowly and subtly begin to think, why bother with church? Why bother dragging myself out of bed on a rainy Sunday morning? I'll just listen to the sermon later. I'll just watch the service on YouTube. After all, isn't it the same thing? Well, when we turn to the scriptures, we find that they paint a very different picture. See, according to the Bible, church, the gathering of God's people, is not nice but optional. According to the Bible, church is totally necessary and totally indispensable for each and every believer in Jesus. In fact, I would go so far as to say, because I believe the scriptures go so far as to say, You cannot come to Christ without also coming to his people. You cannot belong to Christ without also belonging to his people. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Adam, you're a pastor. Of course you would say that. But listen to what Paul writes to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. He says to this body of believers, and he compares them to the human body. He says, in Christ, we, though many, I mean, look around, we are many, different. And though we are many, what happens? What what do we do? We form one body. And, And listen to this, and each member belongs to all the others. If you belong to Christ, you belong to his body, the church. And each member belongs to the others. I mean, think about our own bodies for a moment. We all have different body parts. We have fingers and toes and arms and legs. And each of these body parts are individual parts. I mean, my left eye is not the same as my right foot. And they're individual body parts, and yet they all belong to the same body. They all contribute to the same body. And this is why for someone to say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church... It's like a finger saying, well, I can be a finger without a body. Well, technically you can. You can remove a finger from a body, but it's going to be painful for the body and it's going to shrivel up that finger. If we belong to Christ, we belong to his body. And this is what we're going to dig into today. We're going to see that if you want to faithfully follow Jesus, you cannot do so apart from his people. If you want to grow and change, 
You cannot do so apart from belonging to the body of believers. Now, we're going to look at this under three headings. How do we grow and change together? Well, I'm going to suggest three things that we can all do. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. It's be present. Be present. Now, Woody Allen said something like, 80% of success in life is just showing up. And I think this is true when it comes to church. So much of our Christian growth and so much of our Christian maturity, it depends on us just showing up. It depends on us being present. Now, this might sound obvious to you, but the, the reason I think it's important to point out is because there are times when we don't want to show up. You know, we've had a big week. We're tired. The kids are tired. They don't want to go. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's raining. It's sunny. The dog is sick. The game is on. Or whatever else. There can be so many reasons why we don't want to show up to church or we don't want to show up to life group. Now, sometimes there might be good reasons. You might be very sick or you might be unable to travel. You you just physically can't get here. You might be on holidays. You might be away for work. You might be dealing with an emergency. You might be navigating trauma or grief. There's sometimes good reasons why we can't gather with God's people for a season. But there are a lot of bad reasons as well. For example, the fact that your couch at home is comfier than the pews at church, uh, it's not a good reason. Now, this desire to give up gathering, it's not just a modern problem. You know, this has been an issue through the ages. People were trying to ditch church 2,000 years ago. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says uh, to, to all believers. He says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's think about this. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, just like showing up at church is a habit, so too is not showing up at church. I mean, the the, the more often you skip church, the easier it becomes, the more habitual it becomes. And, And God's word is saying to us today, don't let that happen to you. Don't give up meeting together. Keep showing up. Be present. Now, of course, there's, there's lots of different ways that we can do this. I, I love what a pastor named uh, Dean in Sarah says. He says, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. In other words, don't wait until Sunday morning to decide because you will roll over, look at the rain, and say, I'm not getting out of bed. Decide the night before. If you're married, tell your spouse. If you have kids, tell them, hey, kids, we're going to church tomorrow morning. You might even want to read the the Bible passage with them the night before. Make your decision about Sunday on Saturday. Be intentional about being present. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're wondering, you know, yeah, I would expect this from a pastor, but, but what, what, what's the big deal? I mean, why does this matter so much? Why is it so important to show up? Is it just so I can tick it off the list? You know, d- does God kind of wake up on a Sunday morning 
take a roll call of who's in church and then roll over and go back to sleep for the rest of the week? Of course, the answer is no. We don't show up for the sake of showing up. We don't show up to earn credit with God. We show up because God has chosen to work in a unique way among his people. God is present in powerful ways in the gathering of his people. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says. Uh, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. He's writing to this group of believers like you and I, and he says that we are members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's the, the teaching that we find in the Scriptures. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. When we gather together as God's people, God has brought us together and God is building us up. 1 Peter 2 says the same thing. It says that we're like spiritual stones being built into a spiritual house. I've said it to you before, Bob Dylan got it wrong and Pink Floyd got it right. We're not rolling stones, we're bricks that are being built into the wall, into the spiritual house. And this is why showing up at church is so important. It's not just about ticking off a religious duty, it's not trying to earn some heavenly credit, it's about being built together and built up by God. We belong to each other. God has brought us together and God is building us up. Here's the way an author named Sam Alberry puts it. He says, the most obvious way to express our membership of a church family is by committing to being there regularly and making weekly attendance a priority. At midweek groups, as well as on Sundays, we show up, we're determined to. We won't just be there when we happen to be in town with nothing else on. We'll be there when it inconveniences us. We'll be prepared to cut a weekend trip short to be back in time for church. We'll go when the weather's bad. We'll go when we're tired and would rather have the time to ourselves. Why? Because we recognize that we need this kind of fellowship and encouragement every single week of our lives, even when we're really not in the mood for it. The the first, most fundamental way that we grow and change together is that we be present, be part of the body. And this leads us to the second way that we grow and change together. Of course, this is only part of the story. And the second way that we grow and change together, firstly, we be present. Secondly, we be involved. Now, church membership is not like gym membership. They're they're very different. But let me just use the gym as an example for a moment. Imagine, as maybe some of you did at the start of the new year, imagine you sign up for a gym membership. But when you show up at the gym, you know, you're wearing your workout clothes and you've got your little towel with you. Uh, You walk into the gym and you sit down at one of the machines and you don't move for the next hour. You just sit there and you do nothing. Now, not only is that going to annoy everyone else in the gym because they probably want to use that machine, but that would be very weird. That would be pointless even. Because the point of a gym membership is not to go there to sit around. The point of a gym membership is to work out, to get involved, to use the machines. That's a bit of a silly example, but again, this is how some Christians can think about church. You know, I can belong to a church, 
but not be involved at church. I can be a member of a church, but not a contributor to church. I can attend services, but not serve. I can listen to sermons, but not build relationships. I can consume, but not contribute. And this is how many Christians think about church. Now, they may not say it with their their lips, but they may say it with their lives. But again, just got to be honest, this attitude is foreign to the Scriptures. I mean, you won't find this teaching in the Bible. In fact, you'll find the opposite. You'll find that every Christian is called to be a servant, not a spectator, to be a contributor, not a consumer. This is why uh, in Ephesians 4 verse 16, Paul writes this about the church. He says, from him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. I love that imagery. Every supporting ligament, every person, the body grows and builds itself up in love. How? As each part does its work. Each and every Christian has work to do in the church. Each and every person has a role to play in the body. Let me say it as clearly as I can to everyone in this room, to everyone in MP1, to everyone listening online, you are needed. You are as vital to the health of the church as anyone else. You are needed in the body. Think about it this way. Imagine I said to you, I want you to do this exercise. I want you to take a pen, a piece of paper, and a timer, and I want you to see how many times you can write your name in 30 seconds. Adam, 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 Adam. So you do it, and let's say you do really well. And then I say to you, great. Now I want you to do it again. And this time, you can't use your hands. You've got to hold the pen in your mouth or try and use your, your toes or something. It's my guess that the second time around was not as successful as the first. Why? Because once you remove certain parts of the body, even simple tasks get harder. You are needed. Again, here's the way Sam Alberry puts it. He says, the membership of every local church is no accident. You are not here by accident. It is by divine design. There is no one there who is a spare part or a third foot or a second nose. There is no one there who is not necessary or who doesn't need the rest of their church. That includes you, which is really quite exciting. God has chosen to include and to use you. You can make a real, lasting, eternally significant difference by being a part of your church. Your church is vital to you, and you are vital to your church. Now, I want to share a short story with you, a short video clip with you, and it's the story of a man who got this for the first time. He'd been sitting on the margins of church, but it was only when he started serving and getting involved at church that he realized the beauty and the significance of the people that God had put around him. Turn your eyes to the screen. Check it out. If I'm honest, I never really liked the church. I didn't even really like Christians that much. I used to think of it like a package deal. Like, you get Jesus, and so you get the church and Christians thrown. It's just part of the package. And uh, there are some bits you like Jesus, some bits you don't like so much, just like the church and Christians um, used to find that a bit annoying. But I'd turn up to church and go through it, but I didn't really enjoy going to church. And then one day, uh, I was at the back of our church in East London, and someone said to me, oh, we need help to 
run the coffee team. And I was like, I was like working like 70, 80 hour week. I'm like, what? And they were like, yeah, we, Steve, we really need your help running the coffee team on a Sunday. And I was thinking, I'm a barrister, I'm not a barista. Like, I've got a job, I don't need another job to run a coffee team. But I just, you know, sometimes you, you just can't even think of what to say. So I was like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, okay. And, and I instantly thought, why did I do that? So I turned up next week, like, you know, trying to get the cups and everything, get the coffee right. As I handed these cups to people, something really changed in me. I found myself, as I handed coffee to these people, growing in love with them. I was like, these people are amazing. Like this is this extraordinarily diverse community. It's been gathered from across the area. Probably not another place that looks as diverse and integrated as this. This is a miracle. And then I, even people I found a little bit more frustrating and complicated, as I handed them their coffee, I kind of grew in love with them. And I kind of basically fell in love with the church. And then I kind of went back to the person who'd asked me to do it. I said, we need a new coffee machine. We need better beans. We need better mugs. Like, we, come on, these are amazing people. I want this to be the best coffee that they get. You know, they're coming to church on a Sunday morning. I got more and more passionate. I started to build a team to serve coffee on a Sunday morning. I sometimes say, making coffee changed my life because I fell in love with the Church of Jesus Christ. I didn't realize why it was special. I didn't realize why it mattered. And as I made coffee for people, I suddenly realized, oh, the church is like the bride of Jesus Christ. It's like the thing he gave himself for. Like the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. There's no plan B, and God is gonna build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So like, God is putting all his eggs in the church basket. And I realized over those few weeks, there's a beautiful thing here. Yes, it messes up. Yes, it makes mistakes. You'll never find a perfect church, but it's a beautiful thing. And I thought, that's what I want to spend my life building. The church is what Jesus gave his life for. He loves it deeply. What about you? Do you love the church? One of the exciting things about 2024 is that we're going to begin to transition the way that we uh, do serving at Oasis Church. If you've been around, God has grown us significantly in the last few years, and, and we need to get better at equipping people to serve, at equipping people to get involved. And so our goal is to transition from, from rosters to teams, which basically means we want to equip and empower more people. We want to give more responsibility and more ownership to those who serve here at church. And our hope is that by the end of the year, more people will be serving at Oasis Church and more people will, like Stephen, the barrister who became a barista, you'll discover a deep love for Jesus and for the church through serving others. Now, in the meantime, there are plenty of opportunities for you to serve. Caroline needs people in, in children's ministry. We still need a few more people at, at the 10 a.m. service to help out in creche to be part of that team. Stephen needs more leaders for youth ministry. We need more people for some of our Sunday service teams. In other words, we need you. We need every part of the body. Now, if you'd like to find out more, you can do so via the Church Centre app. And if you don't have the app and you don't know what the app is, then you can head to the hall after the service and Jesse, our ministry apprentice, will be out there. He'll have an information table. He'd love to help you with that. We love the church by serving 
the church. Now, before I move on, let me just say that there will be times in life when you are simply unable to be involved. When you are bruised and burdened and weighed down. When you're going through something heavy in life. When you're recovering from something painful and you just don't have much to give. And let me say to you, that's okay. That's not sinful to be burdened and weighed down. It's not wrong to need others to help you and to lift you up for a season. I mean, this is why the church exists. Paul writes in Galatians 6 verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So if you are part of Oasis Church, but you are burdened right now, I invite you to just sit for as long as you need. There's no pressure on you to do anything. It would be our privilege to serve you, to carry your burdens if we're able to. And this actually leads us to our third and final point. The way that we grow, the way that we change together, it's to be present, it's to be involved, and thirdly and finally, it is to be loving. Now, you shouldn't be surprised that this is one of the ways we grow and change together. After all, Jesus made this the defining mark of his people. Jesus said in John 13, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, according to Jesus, the way that the world will know that we belong to him, it's not the sermons we preach, it's not the prayers that we pray, it's not the events that we put on, Those are all, though they are all good things. It's the way that we love one another. It's the way that we treat one another. Even those who are different to us. I would say especially those who are different to us. I've shared this with you before. I love the way D.A. Carson puts it. He says, I suspect that one of the reasons why there are so many exhortations in the New Testament for Christians to love other Christians is because this is not an easy thing to do. The church itself is not made up of natural friends. You know, we're not a similar interest group here apart from Jesus. He says it's made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural group, but because they've been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. Here at Oasis Church, what we have in common is Jesus We've been brought together by Jesus. We've been made family by Jesus. It, it reminds me, I have to share this with you. It reminds me of a scene from Remember the Titans. You know, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's a movie about a high school football team in Virginia in 1971. It was during integration, and so the black and the white players were struggling to come together. In fact, they were openly hostile to one another. But eventually, through the influence of their coach, Coach Boone, they learn to respect each other, and they come together. And towards the end of the movie, Jerry, who's a white leader in the team, he's in the hospital. And Julius, one of the black leaders in the team, comes to see him in tears. And Jerry's mom says to Julius, he only wants to see you. Now, when Julius enters into Jerry's room, the nurse says, only kin, only family is allowed in here. And Jerry responds, 
Don't you see the family resemblance? That's my brother. And friends, we can and should say the same about every other Christian. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my family. And this is why the New Testament has so much to say about the way we treat one another. You know, the New Testament is filled with this bunch of passages that we call the one another passages. They're all about how we treat one another. Let me just give you a really quick sample of them. Look on the screen. Love one another with brotherly affection. Instruct one another. Be kind to one another. Encourage one another. Always seek to do good to one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not speak evil against one another. Do not grumble against one another. Show hospitality to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Now that is just a sample, and it's clear from that list that God calls us to a high level of commitment to one another. You know, we can't pursue these things at a distance. We can't pursue them from our couch. We can't kind of show up late and leave early. We have to be engaged. We have to care. But it's also clear that this is an exciting and a compelling picture of what could be, of what we can and should pursue together. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of a community like that? A community of love and service and kindness and forgiveness and truth-telling and so on. And you know what? I'm in the privileged position that I get to see this happening at Oasis Church all the time. I see people loving others in so many ways all the time. But I want this even more for us as a church community. I know that I have a long way to go in these areas, and maybe you do as well. So let's pursue them together. Now the question is, how, how can we begin to do that? How can we begin to practically love one another? Let me just give you one suggestion as we close. There's countless ways we can do it, but one simple way we can love others when we show up to church, when we show up to life group, it's to be on the lookout for people to love. Now, I've heard it said there are two ways that you can walk into a room. The first way that you can walk into a room is here I am. And, and this can be like an, an arrogant kind of look at me attitude, here I am, aren't you lucky? Or it might be a, a kind of inferior self-focused attitude. What do people think about me? How am I coming across? Do they like me? Now, it seems humble, but it's still all about me. That's one way to walk into a room. Here I am. But there's another way to walk into a room, and it's there you are. There you are. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of humility, the way of love. It's looking to the interests of others. It's valuing others above yourselves. And what would happen if all of us adopted this kind of attitude? We said, today I'm here and I'm part of this church family. I'm not coming as a guest to be welcomed. I'm coming to welcome the guest. I'm not coming to see what the service will do for me. I'm coming to see how I can be of service to others. There you are. There you are. I love the way John Piper puts it. He says, come to church on the lookout for God leave church on the lookout for people. Be on the lookout for people to love. Now, friends, how could we not do this together? We follow a Savior who loved us by going to the cross for us. 
We follow a king who came into the world not to be served by us, but to serve us. How could we expect it to be any different for us? And it's as we do this together that we will begin to grow and change together. Now, you might be thinking, all of this is pretty ordinary. I mean, basically what I've shared with you this morning is if you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to be built up in faith, show up at church, get involved at church, love others at church. Sounds pretty ordinary, but that's kind of the point. Because the amazing truth of Christianity is that God uses ordinary means to work in extraordinary ways in the lives of his people. And when it comes to change, when it comes to growth, there's no silver bullet, there's no secret ingredients. There are the ordinary means that God has given us and the ordinary people that God has placed around us to do extraordinary things in, among, and through us. And let's do that together. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace to us in Jesus. Thank you that when you saved us, you also included us in your family. That that as we belong to Christ, we also belong to his body, to your people, to the church. And you've done that for our good. You've done that so that we might encourage one another, serve one another, love one another. And so Lord, help us here at Oasis Church to be so transfixed with Jesus, so filled with his love and his goodness and his grace to us that we cannot help but love and serve others. Lord, please continue to build us up, continue to bring us together for our good and for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.